Price hikes, Windows apps, and departures. Let's talk about Microsoft. Happy Friday, friends. Hopefully your week, hopefully your week was delicious and flavorful and whatever. If you understand the Fat Tuesday reference, hopefully it was good. Hopefully it was good for you. It was whatever. It was me. Here we are podcasting on a Friday, doing my favorite thing. Questions galore. There's just lots to talk about. So let's dive in, my friends, to talk about Microsoft this week. So Microsoft launched a new web portal for its Windows app store. They gave it a little refresh. They made it look more Windows 11-y. They made it a little little more corners of a roundy. They just made it look more like Windows 11. They made the modern design language match between the two of the OS and the App Store on the web, and that's really all you need to know about it. Uh, according to a duplex, their data says that Windows 11 is now on about 20-ish percent of machines now. They use an advertising stack, and then they pull data from that, so it's not a perfect rep representation. It's probably a recent, uh, or a decent, I should say, uh, comparable to understanding how the penetration rate of Windows 11 is to Windows 10. Keep in mind, it's going to... In some respects, it's speeding up because Microsoft is getting more aggressive about pushing it, but there's also going to be a, a natural elasticity to this about how far it can stretch because the population of devices that can actually run Windows 11 is smaller than that of that can run Windows 10. So it is going to be continued to grow. Obviously, Microsoft is going to continue to push it. OEMs are continuing to sell it, so it will grow. Uh, but we don't actually have a number for Microsoft which would be super helpful. They said, hey, X amount of millions of devices are running it, but I'm not expecting that, honestly, uh, anytime soon. Uh, something I scooped, if you're following me on the Twitter, the co-founder of Xamarin, Miguel, is going to be leaving Microsoft. Actually, today, I believe, is his actual last day on campus. He co-founded Xamarin, and then Microsoft bought Xamarin, and then he came over. I believe he was working on some AI and other stuff. And he is departing the company. That is a, a pretty significant loss. First off, he's really big on Twitter. He's got a big personality there. Not to mention, he's just a very smart and, and well-respected leader inside of Microsoft. But uh, obviously, he is now exiting. And so it'll be interesting to see where he ends up in his journey. Uh, there's also a new feature with Windows Update. This one's kind of interesting. So they're now making it possible to use more sustainable energy to update your device. Now, the way that this works, is not exactly like it's pulling different electrons through the wires or around the wires, if you understand that reference too, about how electricity actually kind of flows through wires. It doesn't really flow. It's it's really complicated above my head and not for this podcast. Uh, but either way, a more sustainable electricity, the, the way that it's going to be operating is when do, you can schedule it so that your PC will update during a time that is more likely to be utilizing sustainable energy rather than at a random other time. So potentially like on a sunny day rather than when it's raining or something along those lines. So it's a, it's an interesting idea. That's that's about it's an interesting idea. I'm not definitely not against sustainable energy. I drive a, an electric golf cart at the end of the day. Uh, on a more somber note, uh, Microsoft CEO son Zane Nadella passed away at age 26. Now he did have cerebral palsy. Um, the reason why I bring this up, not to, to be, not to bring it down, because it's very tragic, and I, I, I can only imagine the challenge of losing a a son or a daughter, and then having to go into work and lead a team of 180,000 people or something like that that Microsoft has. It's got to be crazy challenging. But one of the key things, and I believe it's in his book, Hit Refresh, Sachin Nadella talks about how his son was actually an, an inspiring force about the accessibility that we have seen, that culture ingrained into the world of Microsoft, the 
the Xbox controller, the design, it's not the design lab, the Xbox controller that uh, is designed for to increase accessibility. Uh, that is, I believe, a direct result of Satya Nadella's efforts. And so while his son has tragically and, and remorsefully uh, passed away, his legacy will absolutely live on in the world of Microsoft and just the greater tech culture, because I believe that this has been a force that has been resonating throughout the industry. And so just something to just keep in mind. Uh, when it comes back to Windows 11, there's also some new uh, Bluetooth settings. There's a new uh, which app to select. So th the whole point of this is that Microsoft is really now in a, in, at a point with Windows 11. Thankfully, and this is very happily, that they're peeling back like the curtains and be like, what are the dirty corners that we haven't touched in a while that need to be updated so that Windows 11 is truly Windows 11 and like the whole thing looks Windows 11-y and it's not like you click a button and you're like, ah, there's Windows 8 again because that's how the app selection picker was. And so uh, that it's just good. Like, it makes me happy to see Microsoft going to this end. It's not like they got the things you see 98% of the time, and then all of a sudden you hit it, and they're like, whoa. Now, the only sort of major outlier are things like control panel, uh, like actual legacy control panel. I don't know if Microsoft's ever going to touch that at this point, but you can get just about everything else now through settings. And so, bada bing, bada boom, you know, potato, potato, tomato, tomato whatever uh, weird what am i doing with my life anyways uh microsoft also announced that they're gonna be i find this one hilarious so microsoft was supposed to be updating the price for office 365 that was announced uh in the fall of last year like hey we're gonna we're, we're raising the price we've included a bunch of stuff we're raising the price microsoft is now delaying that price raise for a couple weeks they're calling it a grace period because so many customers are flocking to renew before the price hike came in that microsoft actually can't get it all processed in time and so they're putting a grace period out there so that you dear corporation can save a few dollar dues or mini fridge units uh, on your next renewal as long as you get it in before the price hike so uh the price hike is going to still happen and i suspect i suspect that we will see strong quarterly revenue from microsoft when it comes to office 365 because they're seeing a resurgence or a surge i should, I should say of renewals that they may not have seen until later in the year which means later in the year we might see it kind of level off a little bit but then as that price hike it takes effect then it will start to climb again and that is called financial planning in the corporate world and it's all about whatever um, on to the gaming news of, of course, this is like the Captain Obvious statement, but I thought it was hilarious. Uh, Valve is opening, open to offering Xbox Game Pass on Steam. Of course they are, as long as they can get a percentage of it, right? I mean, yeah, why wouldn't they want Xbox Game Pass on Steam? They already sell Xbox games. I don't know if Microsoft would do it because, again, the margins, I suspect, on Xbox Game Pass may not be super healthy. Um, may not be super healthy. And so putting it into Steam, Steam is going to be like, give us the dollars, give us the dollars. Gabe, is, Gabe needs more um, food or whatever for the office people. Whatever your analogy is. Uh, of course they would, but there's got to be a revenue split, which Microsoft is not probably too happy to do uh, microsoft flight simulator is now available on xbox one through cloud gaming and cloud gaming x uh, flight sim is a huge deal i talked about this when the game launched that i believe that flight sim in the cloud through cloud gaming is potentially the most technically challenging uh, title that is going to be in cloud gaming because of the way it streams content because of everything else because of how big and heavy and uplifting it is it's a simulation about flying a plane it is complex and is now available in the cloud which is good microsoft held true to their promise it's also awesome that it's now available on xbox one truly maximizing how uh, cloud gaming is really broadening the reach of what does it truly mean to be a next-gen console or a title i should say because if it's available on a 
past-gen console, but it's a next-gen title. That's sort of an interesting little uh, little scenario there. But again, gamers win. That is what Phil Spencer has been cha- championing, and so that's just a really neat thing. One thing I do wish Microsoft, I'd let you. I wish they would let us fly the little rover that's on Mars. Ingenuity is that what they call it or whatever? The the little helicopter that's on Mars. I've it's flown a whole bunch. They should put that in a flight sim, but then put Mars in a flight sim. That would be pretty awesome. You know, just just, saying, just throwing things out there. Uh, Forza Horizon Five now offers sign language support on one. On, uh, for 150 in-game cutscenes. Again, accessibility, another neat little thing just happening in the Forza Horizon, expanding who is capable, not capable, but uh, making people who play that game just have a better experience if sign language is your jam. So, uh, Also, Xbox app on PC. You can now install the games to any folder. This is what was previously announced, but is now rolling out to everybody. And this also makes it easier to mod games and titles. This is something that I hope Microsoft genuinely kind of leans into if you will, because modding is such a great way to extend the shelf life of a title. We've talked about this uh, creator economy and mods are the way to do that. And so by Microsoft opening up their Xbox app to allow this, that signals is like, hey, we're, we're going to be pushing forward to this. And I hope we continue to see that with things like Halo and Forge and everything else and all sort of driving that economy. It does exceptionally well in the Minecraft world. And I believe Sea of Thieves, I can't remember how how much the mods or the customizations impact that title, but Sea of Thieves seems like another ripe title for something like that to happen. Um, it was a little bit quieter week in the world of tech to some degree. There was... Uh there was Mobile World Congress was happening and basically a bunch of Intel 12th gen stuff, which again, their mobile stuff looks pretty darn good. I don't have any real too big concerns about it, but that the other stuff that's going on in the world, I'm trying to avoid talking about politics, but because of everything that is going on in the world, mostly in Europe, if you know what I mean, it's been a lighter week and I kind of expect that trend to continue until things settle down, which hopefully is, hopefully is soon. So anyways, uh, on to the questions of the week, my friends, there's a bunch of them into the hopper. And so we are going to kick it off with the Joe Finn. He says the surface team seems to have found a groove with their lineup. Is there still a push for the team to do revolutionary form factors or is the emphasis more about improving quality and incremental improvements in the existing lineup? Uh, good Question, because everything we, Microsoft definitely went through a phase where it was like crazy off the wall stuff because they had a big success with the Surface Pro and they're like, we got to do that again. So they came out with the studio and the studio hasn't really done all that well. Although it is completely sold out, the Surface Studio 2. You remember when Windows 11 launched, you could still buy it. Now you can't. It says it's out of stock everywhere. Just a little uh, side thing that I pay attention to. I don't believe that Microsoft is done trying some crazy funky form factors, but it definitely feels like they've pulled it back a little bit, right? We have the Surface Book 3 right here, which is a popping off display. We don't see that anymore. The Surface Laptop Studio, which I'm due for a long-term follow-up, is a wonderful device. And I think that's going to be more of the commonality that we see Microsoft going forward. The big outlier right there is the Surface Neo, which it does still exist inside of Microsoft. It does have, they've looked at revving the specs on it because they'd have to if they want to ship it out the door. Um, But it doesn't have a launch date. So it's not dead, but it's not live. It's Schrodinger's Neo or Schrodinger's tablet, if you will, at this time. I continue to think that Microsoft is going to continue to play it mostly safe because their best-selling products are things like the Surface Pro and the Surface Laptop. Crazy form factors have their place, but Microsoft might be leaving that a little bit more to their partners like HP, who likes to wrap things in the leathers, like leather-bound books, or the X1 Fold from Lenovo. Either way, I don't think Surface... Surface isn't done, and they're not pulling it back. I think they're focusing more on the the tried and true traditional not even traditional that's probably the inappropriate word to say but the more things they know that they're going to continue to move out the door just the the high-end laptop a simplified uh setup and everything else so i'm not expecting anything too crazy 
Uh, and then uh, an old Amiga Yuger says, rifting on this idea, do you think the market for devices like the Neo... Do you think there is a market for devices like Duo and Neo? So there's a Duo right here. I still like the first gen better, if I'm honest. Not necessarily the specs and the cameras, but just the actual form factor because there's no... there's like It's, it's like a it's like a moleskin notebook sort of thing. Anyways, I digress. Um, do I think there's a market for it? It's a niche market at best. It is a niche market at best. Like this device right here, if it's Duo 1 or 2, is not for the mainstream. Um, it is for a specific demographic. He says, I have been fascinated with this form factor since the old Courier videos, likewise. But honestly, I'm not sure that I could find a use case that would make sense. It seems pretty cool, though. I, I do think the, the way I tend to think of like the Neo and the Duo are a showcase for what technology can do. But it doesn't necessarily make sense that it's the right thing for everybody. Like It's like, hey, we can do this. We have the technology. We have the capability. HoloLens, another perfect example, especially when it comes to consumers. Like We can do this, but it's not quite ready for mainstream because it just doesn't there's not the killer app that's the thing like it's one thing to be able to make the hardware and it's one thing to be able to make the os but there has to be an experience that truly makes it worthwhile over a single screen device yes you can get more information on a dual screen device there that is absolutely true if you have a list of things to do on one screen and you're writing an email on another it is definitely better but is it a thousand dollars better than say an iphone or an, a galaxy samsung ultra s22 is it i don't that is really hard to justify at this point because end of the day consumers and even businesses too are very very price sensitive to these things and it needs that killer experience which the easy one on uh modern smartphones was mapping apps right think about how much you use google maps when you're out in the world that was the killer app that experience needs to exist solely on a device like this on a, on a dual screen device that cannot exist on a single screen device. And so that is the missing sort of uh, flavor, if you will, the keystone that is going to make it happen. Uh, Sherlock Holmes says, so Brad, so I use both start 10 on Windows 10 and start 11 on Windows 11. Is it possible to get a flyout options on all programs like the Windows 7 start menu? Uh, first off, Sherlock Holmes, you can actually use start 11 on Windows 10 and on Windows 11 for, for that matter. So if you ever want to streamline your stuff, um, is it possible? Yes. Are we going to do it? I'm not quite sure yet. We've got a big push here coming for uh, and release in the next couple of weeks. And then after that, maybe we can dive in to see if there's enough demand for it at that time. Uh, GS, GS, ah, skipping. <laughs> Because <laughs> I think he posted in the wrong thread. Uh, Mr. PKI says, Microsoft has announced that Pluton will now be available on Windows 11 with Qualcomm Snapdragon 8CX Gen 3C Compute Platform. Whew. Uh, does that provide adequate incentive to use Windows on ARM laptop and switch away from Intel Place platforms for longer battery life? And I don't know if it honestly is. Uh, so I, I want Windows on ARM to succeed. I want the Snapdragon 8CX to become a viable third-party competitor in terms of performance, battery life, and connectivity to Intel and AMD. And right now, on the performance side, I know that you can say, well, it's equivalent to a Core i5, blah, blah, blah. That's fine, but then the problem becomes like, when you look at the price point, it has to be price competitive, too, at the performance competitive of today. And so I'm not sure if it's there yet. There's definitely still value 
and Microsoft pushing this Windows on our platform because they need it to succeed. They need it to exist. And I think in a given enough time, it eventually will. The one thing that's sort of missing from this Windows on ARM thing, and I know why, it's because they're partnering with Qualcomm, but we, they need to get NVIDIA and they need to get other ARM players in there really driving momentum behind trying to boost performance and capabilities of these platforms. But for the average lay person, to Mr. PKI, should, would I tell you to go buy a Snapdragon 8CX Gen 3 laptop with the Pluton Compute platform for your personal use case? Probably not. I would. The, the problem is, for in, for Qualcomm, is that the Intel 12th Gen stuff is darn good, and it's, it's going down that path. The best thing that I can tell you is that as ARM continues to do this, and ARM really drove the battery narrative, which is fantastic, is that the consumer is going to be the one who ultimately wins. AMD has shown that they are, they are back for that matter. Uh, Intel is showing like, hey, look, we've got some really killer chipsets. We're taking the leadership position again uh, in terms of, uh, of performance. And so that is fantastic. It's good for, th for the consumer. But at the same time, I don't think you could say just because this Pluton platform with the Snapdragon 8CX Gen 3 compute platform is a justifiable reason to, to buy that device over an Intel device. There are other reasons that might play into that. But I got to tell you guys, the Surface Pro 8 is a fantastic device. Uh, and a great form factor. Shark47 says, I know you mentioned all of the changes in the Windows I was making to the to the UI. Do you know if there are any performance improvements as well? Well, there were performance improvements uh, with some of the underlying stuff. What is it? The direct storage API has come to Windows 11. There's a game coming too that's gonna, I can't remember which title it is, that is gonna take advantage of that as well. And that is that direct storage API, I believe, is carried over from the Xbox. And so there are performance enhancements in Windows, but you gotta remember that it takes time for uh, third parties to come along and then adequately utilize them to see them as an end user. Also, you have other performance improvements coming from the hardware side where you have uh, DDR5. Uh, you also have things like Intel 12th Gen. And so uh, PCI Express 4 or 5, I can't remember. I think we're in 5, uh, whatever. And those are where the true performance gains are going to come. And then Windows needs to make sure it can take take advantage of that increased speed, which I believe it can So uh, with this latest generation. Uh, Lynn Hartson says, you've mentioned many times you use an iPhone and your PC appeared to be all Windows. That is, in fact, true. I use an iPhone uh, and Windows PCs all throughout the house. But how familiar are you with the state of Mac OS? I'm curious if the context of Stardock, it seems like your idea, if you steal ideas or gleam ideas, I should say, as he writes, from the other side. Absolutely. I mean, it would behoove us to look and say, what is Apple doing and what is Windows doing? Is there any sort of comparable to what Apple is doing? Should we bring any of that over to the Windows world? And there's definitely inspiration driven, but you got to remember that some of it has to remain within the context of Mac OS because of the bars at the top, the system tray. So everything they do up there doesn't always necessarily make sense for us to bring over to Windows. But then at the same time, they also have a dock across the bottom, which I can tell you has definitely generated conversations about future products that we may or probably are uh, working and developing. And Sydney 2K wrapping up the back of the book here says, Happy March, Brett. Happy March to you, Mr. Sydney or Miss Sydney, I should say. I just saw your video about Xbox sales in Japan. Oh, which I completely forgot. Xbox sales in Japan uh, came out and it wasn't definitive from Microsoft, but it was from a localized magazine did a 20 year of Xbox in Japan and the TLDR of that is that the original Xbox sold about 500,000 units the Xbox 360 was around like 1.6 uh, the Xbox one the last Xbox one generation sold about 10% of Xbox 360 was like 160 100 a little over 100,000 uh, but not 200,000 somewhere in that range and then the uh, Xbox Series S and X is at 
uh, 140-ish thousand in that country. The reality here is that they had momentum with the Xbox 360 and then totally destroyed their credibility with the Xbox One in that country. And so, totally forgot to mention that previously, but yeah. Uh, anyways, so he said, I saw your video about Xbox sales in Japan. Xbox is one thing, but how well is Microsoft doing overall in Japan? Actually, quite good. Uh, Windows Surface Azure. I figured that if Microsoft is preparing or prospering well in Japan, it can afford to carry Xbox along. So I don't have a ton of information, but I, be I believe, I gotta, I'd have to double check this, that the, so there's the US in terms of Office 365 penetration rate, and I believe the second country is actually Japan. Japan loves Office 365. 65, and it is a huge seller in that demographic uh, on a on a population basis. And so Microsoft does have a lot of momentum there. Windows does exceptionally well there as well. And so Xbox is just the outlier because there's a homegrown competitor there in Japan. I'm sure there's a Linux distro that is made maybe by Sony uh, that can run on a PC, but Microsoft is the is the there's no competitor to Windows OS at the same scale. Made in made in Japan. Same with Office 365. So they have a lot of of goodwill over there in terms of brand value and recognition. But in the entertainment space with Xbox, because there's Sony and Nintendo that are homegrown, that is why they struggle so immensely. Um, so there you go. That is that is the best information I have. There's some. I know you asked about Azure specifically. I don't know the Azure AWS uh, GCP breakdown um, or Oracle and everybody else and IBM Cloud and uh, does Cisco have a cloud? I don't know if Cisco has a cloud. Snowflake, um, Databricks, and all those guys over there. I don't know how that penetration rate works, but I know Windows and Office 365 is quite high in that demographic. So, uh, interesting week. Interesting week. Obviously, Microsoft continues to make noise and generate noise and generate a lot of conversation. One of the things I'm going to be looking forward to is Microsoft Build will be coming up in a few weeks. I'm hoping that at Build this year, we will learn more about what's going on with the Windows. Now that Windows 11 is kind of here and, and it's out and there's uh, you've got the MAUI or the WinUI, what is it, 3.0. Uh, now I'm percolating about that we're going to hear more about what is going to be happening with our tried and true favorite Windows, but we will have to wait and see. And so as always, friends, very much appreciate you're hanging out the best part of my week like doing this like it when you hang out and we'll be all back here next time what a weird outro have a good weekend